Uh, Mark, uh, what's that? It's a box. Okay, what's in it? Box. Yeah, yeah, I know it's a box. What's in it? It's a box of box. And what are we listening to? Bach. I am sensing a theme here. Ah, yes, duly noted, fine sir. Let's partake of the evening's festivities, shall we? Welcome to Driftless Drinks. My name is John. And my name is Mark. And today we're looking at Box, which is a very delicious in-season style of German beer. Uh, what are we drinking today, Mark? Today, my friend, we have Einger's Celebrator Beer. And I don't know about you, but mine came with a little goat that I'm bouncing off of the bottle here. Yep, I got a goat too. He's yeah. cute. I love these beers, number one, because they're good, and number two, because... They have these cute little charms. Yeah, more beers need to have charms. Yeah, I think so. They're always after me, lucky charms. <laughs> Probably more of an Irish stout joke there. but <laughs> That's more of a, yeah. Uh, in any case, we're going to have ourselves a, uh, hopefully, a very sweet, rich, uh, malty Bach experience this evening, John. Uh, would you like me to go around the label? As long oh, as we're w- looking at the lucky charm and it's... Uh, and it's accompanying beer. Yeah, Mark, why don't you take us around this label? Okay, this is Einger's Celebrator Doppelbach. Finest Bavarian Doppelbach. And at the bottom it says strong beer, or if you're reading it in another language, beer forte. 6.7% alcohol by volume. This is an 11.2 fluid ounce can. We'll turn this thing over. It says a brewed and bottled by... Oh, boy, I shouldn't have got into this. Uh, <laughs> brewery eyeing Franz Inselkammer eyeing Germany. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have a hard time with this label read, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> On the back, it says, Here we go, here's English dark, malty, and rich. Einger at the foot of the Bavarian Alps is one of the world's most respected breweries, family owned and operated since 1878. You know, we're a little gun shy about the German pronunciations of beers. We've seen a video <laughs> yes. where where a a, a German uh, woman who is now living in the U.S. went through all of the pronunciations of German beers, and we have been dead wrong for a long time on a lot of those. We so Americanize now, the absolute sh- out of every one of them. We are we are so gun shy of getting it wrong now, and it doesn't matter. As nah, long not as really. you know, as long as you know what you're ordering in the bar or in the liquor store, you're good. Let's forego the pronunciation and get right into this thing. I'm gonna take my little goaty lucky charm off. We'll talk about the goat later too. All right, we ready? One, two, three. Oh, yours made a better sound than mine did. Did it? Mine was a bit anemic. Could use right. some iron. Good. Yep, going for the pour. Yeah, let's pour this thing out here. Oh, beautifully carbonated. Oh, Getting yay. a nice head rolling up. Go look in the bottle here. What no. do you see? Yeah. France. <laughs> Ahoy, matey. Some men coming at us with red shirts and brown pants. They mean trouble. <laughs> they always do. Now, all I'm seeing in here is some really big bubbles left in the bottom. Beautiful, beautiful head. It's just, it's like picture perfect. 
I think that's right. that's kind of a feature of a box style beer is to have um, a fair amount of retention. Now I do know that on Iinger's uh, website they have the Pope of Pope of beers Conrad Seidel describes it as almost black with a very slight red tone. Okay. A, a sensational festive phone and truly extraordinary fragrance. And but I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop quoting the Pope at this point. What is a festive phone? <laughs> it's the phone you use when you're at a festival. No, festive phone. My pronunciation's going out the window. Is that the like the thing in uh, Doctor Who? The <laughs> festive phone <laughs> the, the, booth. The TARDIS? No. Yeah. It's not okay. that. I'm, I'm pissing getting, off I'm everyone not, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting red out of this. Maybe I'm at the very either. bottom. At the bottom of the tulip glass, I can see just a little bit, maybe. But it, maybe it's just not a strong enough light in here. It's yeah. It's, to me, it's a very dark brown, and if you hold it up to a strong enough light, you might get a pinch of amber out of it. But I don't see any red really. No, I'm going for the uh, going for the light. Click, click, click. Okay. Oh. oh, there it is. Oh yeah, I'm getting some red out of it now. Oh yeah. Yeah. What, do I gotta hold this up to the sun then? What's going on? <laughs> well, that's all you have is sons. I don't think you have a daughter, do you? Sorry. Oh. I say we stick a nose in it. Yeah. I was just kind of rolling it around the glass Ooh. here. I love the fine bubbles on the edge. The uh, the maltiness. It's, it, the maltiness is just right there. It it's is nice huge. Yes. Yeah. That's a punch in the face. In a good way. I like it. Hit me again. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. There's a dark. It's kind of a dark yes. smell to it. Very toasty malt. Mm-hmm. And that sweetness, though, is carrying it right through. So it's not like you're going to get... It's not like a dark... You know, like people worry about dark beers, like dark stouts. You know, and we've talked about how those can be, you know, a little stringent on the nose. But sure. this one's just sweet. It is. It's almost like the toastiness made it more sweet. I That's can't wait to try good. this. I know. All right. But before we try it, I'm going to have to... We're going to have to take a break and take a picture for the gram. Grammy time. Grammy time. Get out your Grammys. <laughs> oh, Grammy, come here. Take a picture for the Insta. My, <laughs> what big teeth do you have? <laughs> so while we take that picture for the gram, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to try this stuff. Cling. Are we back? Did this? Are we back here? Uh, I'm back. I think we're back. I'm back too. Welcome back. So, welcome back. Hey, uh, that picture came out okay. Uh, actually, cool. it's really neat. We've got a little surprise in there. So, if you want to uh, check that out, make sure you follow us on Instagram and uh, we're on Facebook. And if you want to see our smiling faces, actually try some of these beers. We are on YouTube as well. We'd love to have you join us there. Shall we take a thermometer before we? taste this we shall the temperature and here we go oh it's getting colder oh it's not as cold as i was hoping it was gonna be me neither i'm hitting right at 50 i'm at 56 Ooh. i'm always like five or six degrees above you yeah well (laughs) in intelligence as well Uh, i wouldn't go that far 
It's probably a good thing, though, that we're at different degrees or we'd run into each other in the sky. <laughs> we're flying in the same vector. Yeah. Move over, Victor. Victor, what's your vector? We know the temperature. We do. Shall we Shall we go for the taste? I believe so. I, f- uh, I feel as though my goat is ready. Mine too. In we go. Here we go. Mm. Ooh. Okay. The nose did not lie. All right, so I'm getting way malty sweetness out of this. Absolutely the most purveying, uh, the most pervasive flavor in there. There is, I got to say, there's almost a smoke to it. Yes. Like, which is not something I think that they, like, are intentionally going for. I think that just happens naturally. And there's a little bit of that dark fruit that's in there. I think that's what that sweetness tastes like to me. Almost like a, almost like a dark plum or a, you know, or a prune kind of thing. Maybe, maybe almost a, almost a date kind of sweetness to it. How are you reading that? This one, yeah, this is truly all about the malt here. Um, the one thing about this particular Bach, and we can get into this in a few minutes too, but so this is a Munich style Doppelbach, right? Mm-hmm. Dries up a little quicker. The thing that I notice in this one is that toasted malt goes all the way through it. It's almost bur- borderline with like a burnt toast kind of flavor at the back of it, right? So it kind of builds right. this caramely sweetness at the front, and then it gets kind of dry. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the uh, I agree with that the the malt the toasted malt is uh, the purveying flavor here. Yeah, that drying up at the end. It's really interesting how because the mouthfeel at the beginning is really nice and and bright. Like there's this beautiful exuberance as as you start to drink it, and then like you said, just. We're going to just quit now. Yep. So we're like where sweet beers, you know, if you've had a really sweet beer before, you know, that'll stick around for a little bit. It's like, oh, I sure. just had like some dessert or something. And that's not here. It's like, drink it. Yep, gone. Time for yep. another drink. Yeah. Which can be, that can be risky with these things. Cause like, you know, cause we're at what? 6.7% here. Yep. And uh, you don't want to do a whole lot of these. I think you could. But... You could. <laughs> yeah. Make sure you aren't going anywhere. <laughs> right. I can go back to the Pope here. <laughs> oh, okay. said, Quoting okay. the Pope. So, the the Pope of Beers, Conrad Seidel, uh, is saying, the first taste is of a mild fullness that, with an accompanying coffee tone, maybe a little bit, uh, which becomes more dominant with the aftertaste. There is very little of the sweetness that is frequently to be tasted with Doppelbach beer. So how do you feel about that? Does this is this like a a standard Doppelbach or do you think that because it's a Munich style it's a little different? I I think it's a little different than the like the traditional Bach. If you would like, we can take a moment and kind of visit the uh history of Bachs very quickly. Yeah, let's talk about that and the, the history and maybe a couple of the styles while we let this thing sit. Sure. And maybe mine will warm up to the same level as yours, and maybe that sweetness will go away and I'll get more of the experience you're getting. I better put mine outside then.
and we're back. Mark, tell me a little bit more about this style. I know you know much more than I do. Well, I wouldn't say I know much more than you, but we'll go through a quick history here, right? So uh, typically a Bach would be a, a dark, very malty, slightly sweet, very lightly hop style of beer. And this came out in the uh, 14th century in a town in uh, Germany called Einbeck. Okay, mm-hmm. so about two, 300 years later, uh, Munich brewers had adopted that style of beer, but they actually started brewing it. So when it was first brewed, it was brewed as an ale. When the Munich brewers adopted it, they had started brewing it as a bottom fermenter, right? So as a lager. So they invented, right, right. or they had brought the lagering process into this style of beer. Part of the reason why we call them Bach beers, right, is the town of Einbeck, right? Einbeck mm-hmm. in Bavaria, when they had adopted the recipes for it, with their dialect, it sounded more like an O, like an Ock, right? Instead of an Eck. They had ah, said it okay. like Einbach. And in German, Einbach uh, literally, I believe, translates to billy goat or man goat or he goat. Uh-huh. So <laughs> so this is where the little goats that you see in our celebrators here, that's where they got adopted was from like a dialectic deflection or whatever you would call that when some some ignorant hippie like me tries to say a word that he can't pronounce and then makes a new word out of it, right? Right, uh, I'm, right. By the way, I'm not calling the good people of Munich, Munich uh, ignorant hippies, but I'm just saying due to their their uh their different dialect it's it kind of morphed into from Einbeck into Einbach right so it was initially right. just named after the town and then it morphed into this whole you know we have goats with it now um <laughs> went into the goat world you know how many words that you can get in german out of the word bach like bach means like a hundred things it just all depends on the context of how you say it oh really yeah it's so- a it's a widely used word it's literally not a hundred probably a dozen maybe more uh-huh. so it's whatever the language is fascinating it just depends on how you use a word and in what fashion like in what sentence as to what it really means but anyway in this case it translated to billy goat typically box are kind of remembered for being part of like religious festivals uh the big ones being fasting festivals uh and i think there's kind of a myth out there that says these are brewed as liquid bread, which people still call them liquid bread, as a substitute for like actual meals for monks mm-hmm. during fasting times. But typically what had happened in the Bavarian monasteries was that they were brewing these year, year round to help them mm-hmm. supplement more of a, a vegetarian kind of lifestyle. But they are associated with holidays and things. Right, and that's one of the reasons that this time of year, you know, as you're getting into February and March, you that's why it's kind of popular because you're leading up to. First of all, you got a dark beer that goes really good in the in the cold in the cold months, especially when you're trying to get out of them. Yeah, you know, as right. we are as we as we are at the end of the winter. But you're also running into Lent. You know, and yep. and so you've got this fasting that's going on as well. So, you know, it's nice to have something that's a little richer and can help you move through that while you're not eating meat. So when you try to pin down why box are typically associated in March. That's part of it, right? Is like religious festivals, fasting, things like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other part is that the way it's brewed and lagered, they would typically brew them in the fall and lager them over the winter so that they were ready in the spring. Right. 
So what's interesting, I think it, one of the things that's interesting is the fact that this is called Celebrator and mm -hmm. there are festivals across the country that celebrate this style of beer. And I think that that's yep. one of the, and actually that happens in Europe too. So that's one of the reasons that that name um, came up is because, you know, they're using it for celebrations. Like there's a big Bach Fest in Cincinnati. And matter of fact, it's going on right now as, as we're recording this. And uh, or actually the, the weekend after we record this, love to go there. They have like a big keg. They move through town, although it's fake. Unlike they have in Lacrosse, which is not fake. And there's people who are <laughs> there's beer in that one. And then they have people dressed as monks walking around with this this keg. Not real monks, unlike around here. <laughs> now that I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the monkeys are gone out of Myrick Park. So yeah, <laughs> no, monk, no no monks around here. Yeah, with the monkeys. <laughs> My time in hell will be spent at the last train to Clarksville. Um, so anyway, could be so worse. I think it's cool. It could be, it could be worse. Where where am I? This is pretty warm in here. Oh oh, there's music I can hear. Jeez, my cherry pie. Oh, I'm out of here. I'm <laughs> out of here. Uh, uh, this is done. This cell. Uh, I'd rather have yodelers. I'm right. okay with that. Especially right. that guy going off the cliff on the prizes, right? He's probably one of <laughs> Oh, he's the best yodeler there is. Oh. Yeah. He's going. Yeah, he goes. Oh, he does go off the cliff, doesn't he? Well, not all the time, not, but most of the time. Yeah, now I'm getting sad. <laughs> where, where the hell are we going to break that? Okay. He, he did spend a lot of time free falling to his death, unfortunately. <laughs> he did. Oh, how did you die? Overbid. Somebody overbid. <laughs> oh, God. So it'd be neat to go to one of these festivals and check it out and, you know, just see what kind of Bach they're serving because I bet it's local stuff that's been made by the brewers, you know, near where those festivals are happening. Yeah, and that actually brings up another one in New Ulm, Minnesota, where they have the the Shells Bach Fest, I believe, oh, yeah, every yeah. spring, too, that I think is going on next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. But you brought up a good point. This beer is named Celebrator, right? And the ATOR mm -hmm. moniker at the end of these beers actually goes all the way back to the 1600s when Paul Anner, which was the first brewery to actually make the Doppelbach style, the double box style, which is basically oh, okay. just a regular Bach, but more ingredient heavy, a little bit higher alcohol content, sweeter. So Paul Anner was credited with brewing the first Doppelbach style beer, right? And they adopted the name uh, Salvatore, which you know in German language literally translates to, I think, savior. Mm -hmm. So when other breweries started getting a hold of their brewing this Doppelbach beer and adjusting the recipes to their own, they kept the ATOR at the end of the name. ATOR. Huh. They kept the <laughs> they kept the ATOR at the end of the name. So now you see almost every single Doppelbach brewed worldwide will have an A-T-O-R suffix hmm. to it. So you have like, Oso has one called Dominator. Uh, the Iyengar one is called Celebrator. So uh, quickly through the types of Bach or the, the sub-styles of Bach. Bach's brewed early on in the 14th, 15th, 16th centuries as an ale, top-down fermenter, sweet, Fairly strong, 6-7% uh, with no detectable hops, although they did have trace amounts of hops in them. Very caramel, rich and toasty, kind of similar to what I would s actually, what we're drinking here with the Iyengar. Another substyle is Maybach or Maybach, which is the Americanized pronunciation of it. We won't get into the German one because I won't do it right anyway. 
which is produced from paler malts, right? So it's a little less malty, touch more bitter and drier, but still uh, a very low hop content. The Doppelbach, which is what we're drinking right now, obviously a more ingredient heavy beer, stronger version. And we already talked about the liquid bread and what the monks use that to kind of supplement their, their diet on a daily basis. One of my favorite styles, and these are kind of hard to come by, although there is a brewery called Kulmbacher in the, uh, I think it's actually named after the town of Kulm or Kulmbach, Germany. It's called uh, Eisbach. So what they do oh, is yeah. they brew a Doppelbach and they'll take it and they'll freeze it. And it kind of came about naturally, right? When they were lagering beers and they opened the kegs and they're like, oh, there's this big layer of ice. Take that, throw it away, serve it. What do you have? you have a stronger, smoother Doppelbach variation. So the Eisbach typically higher in alcohol content, anywhere from like nine to 12, 14% I've seen. And I think BrewDog made a really stupid version of it that went up to like 58% because mm-hmm. that's what BrewDog does. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Eisbach ones, and if you've ever had Kuhlenbach or Eisbach, I would totally suggest having it at least once if you find it. It's kind of expensive, but it's super good. It's like everything you expect in a Bach and a Doppelbach style beer, but richer, smoother, way more concentrated, really good. The alcohol gets you a little bit on the nose, but it's a very, very good beer. And then the last style is the Weissenbach or Wheatbach. Um, which they take barley, the barley malt, and they have it basically half wheat, half barley, and then brew the beer as a top-down fermenting yeast in, in ale style. The Weissenbach of note, or the first Weissenbach to be produced, was the, is it Aventinos? We Aventinos, were talking about yeah. this earlier, and I forgot what it is. What John pronounces yeah. again, I'm sorry. It's Aventinos. Aventinos. Yeah, it's U.S., but it's pronounced O.S., and we had to look that up. That took some time to figure out exactly how to pronounce that one. Yeah, still working on it. Yep, and that's delicious stuff. And, you know, if you uh, if you happen to look for uh, John at Driftless Drinks or Mark at Driftless Drinks on Untapped, you can see both of us have, have rated that beer before, too. And you can follow, follow us there as well. And, hey, hit us up on a friend request because chances are we're going to say yes. Yeah, we'll see what you're drinking. Like give us yep. ideas. Well, that was fascinating. That that's I had no idea about the ATOR on that. That's and that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of now I understand why some of those names are so similar. So uh, thanks a lot for that, Mark. That was absolutely fascinating. Shall we uh, take another temp read? Do it. All right, here we go. Swirly, swirly. Oh. Yep, I hit the 55. Five degrees warmer. I don't know if that's going to change much. If, if the flavor is flavor's really going to be that different. At right now, 55 degrees. No. <laughs> no. no. The, all the equipment I got in this room. You ever need a portable heater, just put a Mac G4 in your room. <laughs> I'm up to 61 degrees, so again, I'm about five Ooh. degrees ahead of you. All Should right. we see if this bad boy is changed in the glass here? Yeah. Man, this lacing, I got to tell you, this lacing all the way around it is still absolutely beautiful. Yeah, the carbonation on this is fantastic. Hmm. 
It's a little mellower on the nose. Oh, that improved. Now you're getting heavier doses of the caramel sweetness up front and that really toastiness at the back. At least I am. I, I am too, but I'm at this. So I'm at the temperature you were at the first tasting and I'm not getting the, the dark fruit nearly as much. And I wonder if that's, see, this is, this is so wild about beer tasting, right? There's so many factors mm -hmm. involved, how it was handled before it even got to you. And then oh, yeah. what temperature you open it at and how long it sits out and how does it change from one temperature to another in the glass, right? They do affect your experience and sometimes in very profound ways. So it's interesting to kind of go through this again. I'm getting more of a sweetness up front and more of that toasted, almost burnt toast taste at the end. Yeah, and you know my tongue is dry. Mm-hmm. It's like that tannins that you get. You know, if, if you're used to yes. drinking wine, but I normally don't like it when wines do that to me, but when beer does it, it just, it, it's cleaning up. So it's like, I can go back and have some more. Funny thing is, if, if you let it sit on your palate long enough in between drinks, which I often don't do <laughs> enough of, <laughs> it really develops that, you had mentioned it earlier, there's almost a smoked a faint hint of a smoked taste and smell in this thing. Right. It's very, very faint, but it's in there. And it really kind of develops on your tongue in the back if you just let it sit as it's going away. All right. Celebrator by Iinger. John, final thoughts? Beautifully sweet, uh, caramely flavor. Really satisfying. It's really going good in, in this cold weather. And it's, I think it... it Probably is my favorite Bach. I mean, there's some other ones that are out there. Shiner does a good one, of course. And um, Anchor does one that I've had in the yes. past that, that's pretty good, too. So, But Celebrator, really, of all the Bachs I've had, is my favorite. Yeah, I, this one's one of the big three for me. The, the other two being uh, Vian Steffener's Corbinian and um, mm. Paul Honor's Salvatore. That one, to me, is the classic definitive Doppelbach. This... Einger Celebrator is a very different Munich take on that same style of beer. And then the Corbinian is actually, for me, kind of somewhere in between, a little bit closer to the Celebrator. But there are so many good different styles of box. You had mentioned a couple of American ones. Uh, Bent Paddle makes a good one. And then uh, as far as the different styles, like if you ever have a chance, again, try the Kuhlenbacher Icebach. That one to me is fantastic. Coming back to the Celebrator, Wonderful beer. This one's world-renowned as far as Doppelbox. Perfect example of the Munich more dry style. Driftless Drink Studio Recording, courtesy of HPJ Studios in Tomo, Wisconsin. Be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And like us on Facebook and Instagram, where we feature each episode's brews a week or so ahead of time. Visit us at driftlessdrinks.com where you can comment on each episode and drink along with us on the Driftless Drinks YouTube channel. Well, that's it for this episode, the Bach episode of Driftless Drinks. We'll be Bach next time. I'll be back. My name is John. My name's Mark. Keep a cold one handy for us. Ooh. And Billy over there. <laughs> I got lots of claps in me.
I don't have the clap, but I have lots of claps in me. Thanks for clarifying. I have to. <laughs> well, the stone version. Hey, Mark. Dude. What's that? Dude. Please move your goats to the full and upright position as we begin the taste <laughs> testing. Celebrator tabs, come on. <laughs> Although I will say you see a lot of beers with the with the ATOR at the end. I, I have yet to see one called Masturbator. <laughs> Probably a marketing thing, but yeah, also just, could be a marketing thing. It's probably a wise marketing thing. Right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Shit. All right. Yeah, we got it. I don't okay. know. Okay. We need to. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs>